Thanks, Carl. It's nice to know I've had such an impact in your life. I keep you busy, I guess. I must say that um, if ever a man epitomized steadfastness, faithfulness, prayerfulness, it is that man right there. So, and, uh, and it's really true. I've listened to him for many times, for many years now, and he's often talked about how the importance of prayer, and he's the one that's always reminding me about prayer and saying about things he's learned about prayer and then living it out. And so, man, cannot thank God enough for Carl Payne. Everything that I've been a part of for the past 20 years, he's been by my side. Usually, probably, regretfully at times, but he has been there nonetheless. So I really appreciate you very much, my friend. And by the way, that was Carl in his excited mode. That was Carl's excited right there. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for being here today. Thank you guys for being at home and watching and being a part of it there. And um, is today a little bit chilly, but it's really good. Really good. And I got to tell you, like, it doesn't seem chilly to me because 48,000 people will pack out that stadium downtown when a blizzard, you know what I mean? And so, like, this is still workable. We can still do this, right, for a few more weeks. So if you have not checked out the, um, uh, the plans for going in, indoors and read it and kind of processed it, please do so. Like we said, it's, it's, it's coming into your e-bulletin. It's on the website. It's on Facebook. And if you need a copy of it, let us know. We'd be glad to get that to you. But just process it and know kind of what we're doing so that if you have any questions, you can, um, you know, you can ask them and we can get back to you and follow up with it, all right? So today, our study of the attributes of God, we're looking at his omnipotence. And in everyday kind of man kind of terms, that is just meaning his all-powerful, that God is all-powerful. That's what we're looking at today. Lots of verses in the Bible, lots of verses in the Bible. And matter of fact, every single time you read Lord Almighty, that's what they're saying. And you see that a lot. But every time you read in the scripture, Lord Almighty, what it's saying is God is all-powerful. But there's passages. And um, like Job, uh, Jeremiah 32, 17. Jeremiah there says, Oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then there is Job 42, where he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Now, we'll just pause, and we did talk about this this past week in the table talk where we we're discussing God's omnipotence, that Job is a great just study of God's all-powerfulness, of his omnipotence. And so if you ever really want to go in deep with, you know, what does it mean that God is all-powerful, you know, you can start in chapter 38 and just stay there for a long time as you ferret through that and you learn all these different ways that God is demonstrating how powerful he is. Uh, Psalm 33, um, there he said, uh, the psalmist says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Now that passage right there we're going to come back to in a minute, or come, we're going to relate to it in a minute more, all right? So remember that one. Jesus says this in Luke 10, 27. They're, the rich young ruler, and they're talking about what it means to be saved and everything. And, and Jesus makes this comment, 
With man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And then in Ephesians 1.19, there's this absolutely wonderful passage that Paul writes, but tucked in the middle of it, he says that God, the immeasurable greatness of his power, the immeasurable greatness of his power, that's saying a lot about his power, right? That it is immeasurable. In other words, you can't measure it. There's not a tape measure long enough to measure it. There's not scales big enough to weigh it. There's, I mean, like you just can't do it. There's no quantum physics equation that's going to tell you how great his power is. He says it's immeasurable. Now, let's, that's scripture talking about his power. There's also places where he demonstrates his power in what he does. And so there, you know, when we look at, the, the, when we look at that, we'll see that, for instance, we saw it a moment ago in, if, in Psalm 33 where it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the deep as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. There, he's speaking about God does not need any help at all to accomplish his purpose. He simply wills it. He simply desires his purpose and it comes about. And that's why we, I said a moment ago about the passage in Psalm 33 where he says, let all the earth fear him, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. You can go to just Genesis and you can see his power demonstrated. It doesn't write in there, it doesn't say that God in his awesome and magnificent, immeasurable power, he created the world. All it says is, let there be light. And all the things that he began to do, and all of those things were accomplished, not because he had the right tools, not because he had the right training, not because he had Carl Payne by his side, but because in his infiniteness, in his all power, he was able to do that without any help, simply because he spoke it. And that is what it means to be all-powerful. He can just do it in and of himself without any help and without any effort on his part. Without any effort on his part. You also see his power demonstrated throughout the scriptures he, by the flood, Noah's flood, by the plagues in Egypt, by the parting of the Red Sea, by the provision of manna in the desert, by the birth of a baby to a virgin, by the healing of the sick and the lame and the blind, and then ultimately in the presence of his son, sent to earth to die for the sins of mankind. Now let's stop right there and make sure that we're all saying the same thing and that our words mean the same thing. Of all these verses and all the demonstrations of God's power have caused man to refer to this attribute of God, we call it his omnipotence. That word is not necessarily in the Bible, but it's a word that we've attached to that he is all-powerful. And if we look at om, omnipotence, you know, omni means all. And potence, potence means power. So we're saying he, is, has, he has all power. 
There's no other being who is more powerful than him. There's no other object that is more powerful than him. There's no other process that is more powerful than him. There is nothing that is created that is more powerful than him. You could not put all of the things he's ever created together and the, and the sum total of them would be more powerful than him. He is all-powerful over all things. Nothing is more powerful than him. But there are many who would say that his power is unlimited, that his power has no limits on it. Those two statements are not the same. And that's where many people get confused, or that's where many people begin to get themselves in trouble, or that's where people who are critics or skeptics begin to try and poke holes at whether there is really an omnipotent God, or whether there is God at all that has any kind of unlimited power. So what we're saying is that God is all-powerful, but what we're not saying is that power is unlimited. So in other words, we're saying that while there is nothing, that while there is nothing, no one more powerful than God, God's power does have limits. So for instance, God cannot do anything that would violate his own attributes. God cannot lie. God cannot change his attributes. He cannot break his word. So for instance, you've heard it said, and we said it last week, when we were talking about his unchanging nature. If he says it, he will do it. He cannot break his word. He cannot be tempted by evil. So that brings up an interesting point. Often when someone is trying, like I said, to diminish God's power or to be a skeptic and they're trying to poke holes in God, they create scenarios like this. And you've heard this one before probably. A couple of these I've never heard before. You've probably heard this one before. Can God make a rock he can't move? All right, that one's, you've heard that maybe. Can God make a square circle? That one was weird for me. I just didn't think, who would even ask? I don't know. Um, can, so what they're doing though is they're trying to say, if God is all-powerful, can he do these, um, un, um, these, these things that are unimaginative? Can God make a bachelor who is both married and a bachelor? Some married men act like it, but they're really not. They might think they are, but they're not. Um, no matter how powerful one may be, you can't be evil and still be morally perfect. See, there's a limit there. Having limits is totally logical and should be expected. But remember, these kind of arguments, they're smoke screens. They're, they're just there for people who try and, and are trying to define God's power and they're trying to make him to be less than he is. But it's perfectly normal to have limits. And God has placed limits on his power, but he still has all power. Can you relate to that? He still has all power, but he doesn't use that power in all, in every way. He has limits in it. Another aspect of God's power and limits is just that just because God can do something doesn't mean that he will do it. So we talked about this Tuesday night in the table talk. Think about in the Gospels, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas has just come and betrayed the Lord. And the soldiers are there. And they're there to arrest the Lord. And Peter, being Peter, whips out his sword and is going to defend God. And he lops off the ear of a servant. And once again, Peter finds himself on the bad side of Jesus. And Jesus says, stop, stop. 
He says, put your sword back in its place. Do you think that I could not appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? But that God has a great, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? That God has a greater purpose in mind. So listen, think about that right there. Even his purposes place limits on his power. His purpose for sending his son to the earth was for his son Jesus to live that perfect life. It's totally sinless. And then to be wrongly accused, wrongly convicted, wrongly tortured, and then finally for him to be executed for the sins and the wrongs of others. And Jesus says in this passage, don't you know that we could call, I could call angels and they would stop all this. They would totally protect me. They would stop all this and we wouldn't go through what's about to happen in the next few hours. That could happen. But he goes, but that's not God's purpose. So God's purpose was a limit on God's power. Does all this, how does all this all-powerful stuff this aspect of God's character that he is all-powerful, begin to translate into our lives. Well, think about it. If he can do the things that he has done in Scripture, is that true in our life as well? When we think about, for instance, the parting of the Red Sea, don't think about the parting of the Red Sea as being what we're focusing on. Think about it as God in his power is able and willing to make a way for us when there is not one that we see. So pause for a minute. Pause for a minute and think about in your own life a situation that you feel like is impossible. Or a situation that you're in right now that you feel like has no way out. Pause and think about that. In Exodus, the children of Israel found themselves stuck between a raging army that was intent on killing them and a sea that had no way across it. And then God, in his power, parted that sea and gave rescue to his people. Is it possible that in the situation that you're in right now, in the situation that you thought about, or maybe you didn't think about one, but you'll think about one this week, that God has placed you there so that he could demonstrate his power in your life? Is that possible that that's why you are up against a sea, stuck in a hard place, is that possible that that's why you're in a relationship that seems like it just doesn't have a good solution? That you're in a medical situation that doesn't seem to have an end? That you're in a financial situation that seems like it's going to just kill you? Whatever your situation is, is it possible that you're there so that God's power could be demonstrated in that situation? 
See, because every situation we have, there is a purpose for it. And those purposes, as we've seen in other teachings and in our own personal study, is that those purposes are far beyond what we can imagine, aren't they? That we would never imagine. I would never imagine I'd ever become a pastor. Carl never imagined that he'd end up volunteering for a, a global mission agency and becoming the U.S. director for as many years as he did. For wherever you're at, perhaps you're thinking like, you never imagined you'd be there, but God has a purpose in that circumstance. And in his power, he's placed you there so that he can see you becoming more like him. And then in that purpose that you become a vehicle for his glory, a vehicle for his majesty, a vehicle for demonstrating who God is, what God is like, and how great he is. That is very, can you imagine that that's why you're in the place you're in, so that his power is made manifest in your life. That's how the all-powerful nature of God we can begin to see in our daily lives. He can also physically heal, whether it's emotionally heal or mentally heal, because many of us or some of us have seen that be true in our lives as well. And again, I would come back to the same thing, is that when he does not necessarily heal us, because we know that in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that there were many, 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 many more people who were never healed who were around Christ as opposed to those who were. And so what's the purpose and the plan for that? For God's goodness, which is an attribute we'll talk about, God's goodness is never disrupted by our circumstances. Instead, his goodness is demonstrated in our circumstances, and he longs for his power to be demonstrated in our circumstances. And isn't it interesting that in his goodness, in his power, that we think that we have to be right, well, perfect, for a perfect God to use us. The way that I think God's power in my mind, you know, everyone's experience is different. But in my mind, when I think about where I see God's power be most manifest, it's when he takes a tool that was never intended to be used for a purpose and he uses it for that purpose. So let's just imagine that like, you know, you have a job you want to be done around the house and, and if you've ever worked around your house, you know that if you have the right tool, it goes a lot easier, right? And usually that means you need the right tool and that tool needs to be working and it needs to be able to do the job. Well, let's just say this. Would it be wrong for me to say that when God thinks about redeeming the entire world to himself, that he could have chosen a better option than you and I? And yet, that is what God has done. In his omniscience, we'll talk about that later, in his, in his knowing, in his desire to redeem mankind to himself, he has chosen selfish, self-consumed, weak people to do that. 
But his power is made manifest in that weakness in such a way that men and women and children all over the globe for centuries now have been coming to know Christ and coming into a, a, a real living, powerful relationship with him. To me, that is a demonstration of his power, that he can take broken objects and make them useful for a plan that is unimaginable. To redeem mankind back to himself and to trace, to take the good news of the gospel and place it in the hands of men and women who on any given day can say, I don't feel like it. And still accomplish his purpose and plan. To me, that is power. And he's doing it through you and through I and through this church and through thousands of other churches and Christians just like us. To me, that is a demonstration of power that I cannot imagine. That is a creativity that I cannot imagine. That is just a plan that I would never, never say was a good idea. And yet in the hands of an all-powerful God, it's not only a good idea, it is the best idea. It is his idea. And he longs to bring each and every one of us into that idea. That is his power, to redeem mankind back to himself through us. And now, even crazier, is the power that he used to speak creation into existence. He's also taken, and he said, that same power is available to us. That same power is available to us. If we depend on him, if we if we, if we make, if we glory in our weakness so he has the room to work out his powerfulness in our circumstances, in our lives, and in his plan. That power is available to us. That is another one of these things that I'm like going, don't ask me to explain it. I don't understand it. I don't know how it works. But that's what he said and he's done it for centuries now. So let me ask you this. Are you experiencing his power in your life? I know that I wrestle with that all the time. But that is what I think is a great, great takeaway from thinking about God is all-powerful and that he wants, to us, he wants to make that power available to us in our daily lives. And he wants us to recognize what that could possibly mean. That's going to be different for every single one of you. What would it look like for God to live out his power in your life? We have the tools to know what that looks like. We have the tools. It's, it's basically right here. And not only that, it's just like Carl said. He, he spoke in his testimony and he said that he found comfort through God's word. He found comfort through the fellowship of the people and through prayer. And all those things are the same things that help us to learn what it means for God to meet us right where we are, right as we are. And to begin to learn what it means to have his power be demonstrated in our lives. I would just take that as being our challenge today. I would take that as being our way of looking at his power and relating it to our daily walk. What does that look like for you and I to be able to do that? And, it, and that is on you to pursue him 
to seek him and to find that to be true in your own life. Let's pray. Father, today, I really want to just thank you that you have chosen to give us your creation, your spirit in us, and in that we have your power in us. Lord, open up our minds and our hearts and our eyes so that we might see and understand that all-powerful nature of yours in a more deeper way. And as we've said many times, every single time we begin to see your attributes in a more clear manner and begin to see to the degree that you've revealed yourself to us, that we should pause. It should cause us to worship. It should cause us to seek obedience in our lives. It should cause us to be in awe of you. Father, I pray that there is a growing awe in us as a church family as we study and as we reflect and consider your attributes. We thank you for who you are, all glorious, all powerful, all knowing, unchanging, eternal, infinite. And it's in your great name we pray. Amen.